Hello and welcome to APW's Property Podcast. We look at all manner of topics relating to UK housing and the UK housing market. And today we're going to look at the various different types of mortgage product. And with me to go for an oral stroll through this subject are APW's Bryn Miles and Richard Evans. Hi both. Hi Paul. Hi Paul. Uh, So tell us a bit about what APW does. Well, Paul, essentially, APW help people overseas to invest in the UK property market and to overcome the unique hurdles that are faced by overseas investors. Okay. Uh, So one of the things they'll need is is mortgages. We're looking mostly at the UK mortgage market here, but uh, obviously the same products apply to overseas and some of the advice is the same. Uh, So who's going to start us off? What, What even is a mortgage? I will, Paul. So a mortgage is basically borrowing. A lender agrees to give you money, but the money is secured against uh, a property. So if you don't manage to pay back the money or the mortgage under the agreed terms, they have the right to take the property off you. Okay. Um, Sounds bad. So yeah, they can take the property off you, but it's only under certain conditions. Um, They're recovering the debt rather than taking the whole property off you. Um, but uh, it it is extreme. So it's borrowing to enable you to buy a house is essentially what a mortgage is. Yes. So the amount you borrow is the capital sum and then you pay interest on that borrowing until the borrowing is paid off or until the end of the mortgage term. Uh, the length of time the mortgage agreement is last for is the mortgage term. Okay. Uh, with you mostly so far, but um, we, you know, we're starting right at the beginning. So uh, Perhaps you could explain what interest is. Yeah, so interest for people who don't know is um, nearly all loan lenders add interest on the loan. If I lend you £100, I want it back at some point. It isn't a gift. Uh, If you give it back tomorrow, that's great. But if it takes a year, well, the problem is inflation. Inflation that has happened in that year, call it 5%, means that the goods that cost £100 at the beginning of the year cost £105 at the end of the year. So my £100 that I gave you only buys you 100, 100 fifths of what it bought you at the beginning of the year. So lenders charge interest on the money lent to compensate for this inflation erosion of spending power. And that is called the interest rate. Yes, okay. So they they want... They want at least the the kind of spending power back at the end of the year. So there is an interest rate. And then they're also interested in profit. So there's a little bit more than that on top. And it's also why the Bank of England is so frightened of inflation. And, and they have this 2% inflation target, which they're not meeting at the moment. But uh, that's because inflation has been very high. So um, if I say that the if, say, the interest rate is 6% on your loan, then the £100 that I owe you uh, by the end of the year is in fact £106 that I need to have paid back. Exactly. So that £100, if there's 5% inflation and you pay 6% back, I've made £1 on my loan to you. Okay. Uh, so so that brings us to two different types of mortgage lending, um, capital repayment or interest only. So what's the difference? Bryn. Well, Paul. With capital repayment, the idea is that you will pay off the money lent in small chunks every month for the length of the term of the mortgage, say 25 years, and you also pay the interest on the money as well every month. But at the end of the 25 years, job done. You don't owe anyone anything and the house apartment is yours free and clear. 
Okay, right. So yes, you're paying off the the amount that was lent as well as the interest, and you're doing that over the time of the mortgage term. Uh, what about interest only? How does that work? Well, with interest only, it does what it says on the tin. You only pay the interest on the money lent, and at the end of the term, you still owe all of the original money that you borrowed in the first place. Okay. Um, so let's go back to our £100 at, say, 6% interest over, say, a year. Take us through that. Right. So the interest on a year's borrowing is 6% of 100, which is £6. If you pay monthly, that is 6 divided by 12, which is 50p a month. But at the end of the year, you'd still owe me £100. Okay. Yeah. So I've got to have a plan for how I pay you back the £100. Uh, what about capital repayment? So with capital repayment, you'd pay the interest at 50p a month. And on top, you could pay back, say, £8.33 pence a month. And that's 100 divided by 12. And at the end of the year, you'd have paid back the 100 and any interest due on the loan. Okay, so uh, uh, we should just add that uh, that's just a rough example because the interest calculation is slightly more complicated. Um, Why is that? That's right. Interest is calculated on the amount you actually still owe. So after a month, you'd have paid back 8.33. So you'll only owe £91.67. And the interest calculation on the balance would be different, but always worth checking how the interest is calculated if you get a mortgage yes i mean in in fact in their kind of figures that a a lender will give you they they set out how the interest is calculated and they usually average it out so that it makes more sense so that the the capital amount goes down by the same every month and the interest and so on so uh, the next big distinction we've got so that's the difference between capital repayment and interest only next big distinction personal mortgages versus buy-to-let mortgages Yeah, so a personal mortgage is lent to you secured against the property, but the amount you can borrow is dependent on your salary. The lenders want to know that you can keep paying them back every month, so they calculate that against your salary. They will uh, usually conduct mortgage affordability checks. As a rule of thumb, you will be able to borrow something like four to four and a half times your annual income. That's a good place to start. So if I earn 50,000 a year, I can borrow somewhere between 200,000 to 225. Um what if I'm self-employed uh and don't have a salary and you know my earnings go up and down like a yo-yo? Yeah, so if you're self-employed, different lenders will average out your salary based on previous years accounts. Some lenders might use two years accounts, some might use three. Uh they do this they also do go through um, all your other outgoings, other financial commitments, loans you have already taken out and so on. Sometimes this is called your debt to income ratio. Okay, yes, because uh, obviously if you're paying off other loans like a car loan or student loan or all sorts of other things, they all go into to some of the calculations of what you can actually afford and can you afford to pay the, the money they've lent you. So the debt to income ratio or DTI, it's not often talked about, but it reflects the proportion of your monthly income that's spent on paying off existing debts. Uh, so if your monthly income is 2000 and you spend £500 paying off debts, your debt to income ratio is 500 over 2,000 or 25%. So you're paying a quarter of your money paying off existing debt, which obviously affects your ability to pay off your mortgage. Uh, So those are the personal residential mortgages. It's worth knowing that before you approach lenders, those are the kind of things that you need to know and have at your fingertips, your 
regular outgoings, accounts if you're self-employed, um, and your salary figures and proof of all of that. So what about buy-to-let? Well, Paul, buy-to-lets are a bit different. They are calculated against the rental income from a property and are less concerned about your own personal debt outgoings. Okay. Um, so how are they calculated? Okay, so now we introduce the concept of loan-to-value, or LTV, as it's more commonly known. Basically, it's a measure of how much you can borrow compared to the value of the property in question. Uh, let's say that the loan LTV rate comes in at 75%. The lender's maximum lending will be at 75% of the value of the property. So a £200,000 property would have a mortgage of 150000 on it, and you would need a £50,000 deposit on the property. That's the first thing to look at. Yeah, because uh, in fact, those loan-to-values, uh, they have different rates of interest that apply to different loan-to-value rates. If you put more more money into the property yourself, it's obviously less risk to the lender. So they might give you a preferential rate. Loan-to-values have been, you know, historically, sometimes you can get 95% loan-to-value rate, but obviously in times of economic crisis, lenders are less... They're more reluctant to do that, and there was a period of a hundred percent mortgage uh, loan-to-value rates where they'd lend you all of the money. You didn't have to put any deposit in, which is still possible, but it's quite specialist and quite niche. So, uh, what's the the second thing that that you were going to mention? Well, the second thing is the rent to mortgage payment amounts. Okay, yeah. Um, again, uh, quite complicated. I, I looked at a HS. BC buy-to-let products and it had a fairly standard set of uh, criteria for buy-to-let and it's typical of most lenders um, so they want if for a buy-to-let mortgage they want you to have owned and lived in your current home for at least six months uh, you've got to have a minimum annual salary of 25,000 uh, which doesn't include the rental income uh, that you're going to be getting from the property that you buy your maximum borrowing won't exceed 75% loan to value so they have that that's their maximum ltv they won't lend to portfolio landlords and your annual rental income must be at least 125% of your mortgage payments uh, so if the mortgage applicants are lower rate taxpayers that is uh, or if you're a higher rate taxpayer your annual rental income should be at least 145% of your mortgage payments uh, so those two important figures. So you put in your rent and it must be bigger than your mortgage payment by those percentages, the 125 and 145 if you're a higher rate taxpayer. Uh, and a final one, you won't have more than £2 million worth of buy-to-let borrowing with HSBC. Uh, so then again, they're sort of spreading the risk. They don't want to to uh, have it all with one, uh, one borrower. Yes, it is fairly typical and it shows, like we've touched on, that they are less concerned with your personal salary and your personal debt outgoings, um, although you can see they have some consideration for your tax bracket. Rent is counted as income before any of the expenses relating to the property are deducted and so any personal income can get taxed at a higher tax rate pretty quickly. So you can see the differential rates that they apply to the rent amount of rent as against the amount of mortgage payments. Yes, that's the reason. The, the rent is now counted as income uh, before expenses. So uh, that gets added to your income and it, it does it shoves you into the higher tax rate bracket sooner than you'd think if you're you know, on a fairly average rent. So uh, let's talk about the base rate, uh, the base interest rate, which is set by the Bank of England. 
Yes, so the Bank of England base rate is the rate that sets the floor for the whole market and is uh, a vital lever that they use to control the economy. Yes, that's why it's kind of so regularly in the news. Um, It's the single most important rate in the UK, apparently. Um, And it's sometimes called the Bank of England base rate or sometimes just called the interest rate. this is on the bank's website. Uh, the Monetary Policy Committee, MPC, sets the bank rate. Uh, it's part of the monetary policy action that they take to meet the target that the government sets to keep inflation low and stable. Uh, the bank rate determines the interest rate that they pay to commercial banks that hold money with us, with the bank. So it influences the rates those banks charge people to borrow money or pay on their savings. So this is the kind of the bank rate, the bank base rate is what banks charge each other to to lend money sloshing around before they spread it around to the uh, us lesser mortals uh, uh, individuals. So it affects the interest rate because if the bank rate changes then normally banks change their interest rates on savings and borrowings. Uh but the bank rate isn't the only thing that affects interest rates on savings and borrowings. They can change for other reasons and may not change by the same amount as the change in bank rates. Uh, so, yes, the Bank of England rate is a sort of base level. But banks, because they have their own terms and conditions, may not be following it exactly. Which brings us then to the different kinds of products. Because this interest rate changes and it's been changing massively over the last uh, 15 months with so many different rises from the historic period of low interest rates. Uh, Some people wanted to avoid the worry about what the bank and the MPC were going to do with the at their every meeting with the interest rate. So they've gone for fixed term rates. Um, Tell us next about fixed rates, Bryn. Okay, so with a fixed rate mortgage, the interest rate is fixed for a set amount of time and won't be affected by the Bank of England base rate uh, if it rises or fluctuates in the market. This fixed interest rate is often referred to as the introductory rate. Once you've taken out a fixed rate mortgage, you will be locked into the introductory rate for a set period of time. And if you leave, you'll be subject to exit fees. Typically, the fixed rate periods, also known as the initial rate periods, is the first two, three or five years of the term. During this term, you will know exactly how much you'll be paying each month. And this won't change until the fixed period has expired, making it much easier to budget. When you take out an interest only mortgage, you will effectively be locking in your mortgage interest rate, which can be very handy if you think that the Bank of England's base rate is going to increase soon. The certainty of fixed rate mortgages makes them very appealing to first-time buyers who are looking to budget for the first few years in their new home, or homeowners who want to be certain that they're paying back each month. The downside is, once you're locked into an initial term, you'll find it difficult to switch again due to a hefty penalty that most lenders will attach to their products. Yes, it always feels a bit uh, asymmetric that you're obviously dealing with a bank that is looking at the entire money market over the five years and they've got hundreds of economists and quants and people in their back office calculating exactly what interest rate is going to be more profitable to them. And then there's you with a a cheap 1970s calculator trying to work out whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. And you're looking at whether um, interest rates are in a period where they're rising or whether they're falling. Um, but they do average it out, and like you say, the stability of it is is the main benefit, particularly if you're on a budget and, and money's a bit tight. So the alternative is the variable rate mortgage. Um, 
Tell us about those. Yeah, so the variable rate mortgage does what it says on the tin, really. The rate of interest can change or vary. A variable rate mortgage is a product in which interest rate can shift at any time, either to a higher or a lower amount. And like a fixed mortgage, there is no period where the rate is locked in and how much you pay each month is subject to change. This type of mortgage is affected by the Bank of England's base interest rate, as well as other factors. Also, there is more than one type of variable rate mortgage to consider. For each one, the interest rate you pay is calculated slightly differently, giving each one advantages and disadvantage, depending on what your needs are. Yes. Okay. So we've got lots of different kinds of variable rate mortgage. Um, We're just going to go through some of them. There's uh, four main types. There's the standard variable rate, which you'll see a lot on uh, mortgage offers. Uh, You've got trackers. uh, You've got a discount mortgage or you've got a capped mortgage. Uh, Let's take a look at those in order. Um, What's a standard variable mortgage? Well, a standard variable rate or SVR, as it's also known, has an interest rate that is set by the lender. This rate is not directly linked to the Bank of England, though in the majority of cases it is the primary influence on whether it increases or decreases. Um, A lender can increase or decrease the mortgage rate that you're paying on a month-to-month basis, so you could end up paying more or less depending on their decision. This makes it difficult to budget for the future. On the other hand, being on an SVR allows you to have more freedom. You can overpay or leave your mortgage without fear of high penalties for doing so. You should still check the small print, though, because actually some, even on SVRs, there are some penalties for, you know, maybe the first couple of years or, or, you know, so check the small print. Mm, Indeed. Um, SVR is also the rate that a lender will transfer you to once your fixed rate deal has expired, which means you will usually end up paying a higher interest rate if you don't remortgage in time. So who's this type of mortgage for? It's good for homeowners who want freedom to switch mortgage products at any time or if you can see yourself moving home in the future. Okay. Uh, Well, I'll take you through a tracker mortgage. Um, It's the type of mortgage where the interest rate is the equivalent to the Bank of England base rate, but plus a little bit set by the lender. So this is subtly different from the standard variable rate uh, where the lender can set their own rates. The tracker actually does follow the Bank of England base rate so that you know that they're not um, trying to fleece you for a little bit extra to go in the bank's pockets from time to time. Most tracker mortgages will come with introductory deals and you'll be on the tracker rate for a set period of years, um, though there are some lifetime trackers, uh, interestingly. And again, once the initial rate ends, it will revert usually to the standard variable rate, the SVR. It's a kind of mortgage that you know, for those that are confident that the base rate is going to fall, but can comfortably pay more if the rate increases over time. What about the discount mortgage, Richard? Yeah, so a discount mortgage sees you paying a reduced version of your lender's uh, SVR. The amount of discount is fixed and the reduction is applied whether the SVR is increased or decreased by the lender. For instance, if the SBR was set at 4.5% and your deal applied a fixed 1.5% discount, you would only pay a 3% mortgage rate. If the lender decreased the SBR to 4%, you would be reduced to 2.5%. The majority of discount mortgages are only available for an introductory term, uh, much like a tracker mortgages. 
after which you'll be switched to the lenders SVR. Many deals are also stepped, so you will get access to the best discount for a set term before switching to a lesser discount for the remainder of the introductory period. Additionally, some mortgages are capped so that there is a rate that they can fall below or increases above. Okay. Uh, and who who's this kind of mortgage popular with? Yeah, so I'd say this mortgage is popular for people such as first-time buyers looking for a cheaper rate during an introductory period who can accommodate paying more should the SVR increase. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're getting, you're not having to pay quite as much at the at the beginning. So, but th- these mortgages are, banks are, are like um, drug dealers. They're tying you into the 25-year mortgage uh, by teasing you with a discount up front. What about a capped rate mortgage, Bryn? Well, a capped rate mortgage is a type of variable rate mortgage that will not rise above a certain rate, uh, also known as a cap. These deals are most commonly available as SVR or tracker mortgages, which follow the standard model of these types, but with a built-in cap, basically. In the current climate, cap rates are quite rare for lenders to offer. The advantage of a capped rate mortgage is that you'll have the peace of mind that your repayments will never rise to a level you can't afford. However, while some deals have no minimum rates, a lot of capped rate mortgages also have something known as a collar, which is another cap that prevents your rate falling below a certain level. So on one hand, you may be protected from higher rates, but there is a possibility you won't benefit from a low rate either. Okay. Again, who's this popular with? Uh, It's a good option for homeowners who want to be protected from rising rates and are willing to forego benefiting from a potential fall in mortgage rates. Yes, I mean, so all of those different products, you know, subtly suit slightly different individual circumstances. So you've got to th- have a think about what your circumstances are before you go into uh, one of these mortgage deals. Be aware of the penalties that there are. Uh, they can be very steep. Uh, and, uh, you know, it does mean that if you suddenly do want to move house or switch mortgage or, or change, that uh, you've got to pay a hefty wadge to the bank uh, before you do that. Uh, So those are fixed rate and variable rate mortgage. There are some more niche products that build in some flexibility. There's an offset mortgage. Basically, your savings can be used to reduce the amount of money on your mortgage that you're paying interest on. So it links your mortgage and your savings together and reduces that interest. And it offsets the value of your savings account against how much you borrowed. Uh, so you're only charged interest on the amount left over. Uh, but it's quite useful for high-rate taxpayers because um, if they've got their 15000 in savings and the 100000 mortgage and it's they're only paying interest on the 85000 uh, but they're not paying tax on their savings. Um, so you're saving interest on the money borrowed rather than getting interest on the money you've saved. So that's the offset mortgage. Um, what about uh, any other different kind of niche products? Yes. Yeah, so there are various mortgages that come under the help to buy scheme. Uh, we have the help to buy schemes, which is an, an initiative set up by the UK government with the aim of helping more people become homeowners. Yes, they wanted to help uh, particularly first time buyers and they've set up various schemes. Uh, it started a while ago and they keep uh, tweaking the regulations as to what qualifies but uh, have a look at uh, google help to buy um uk government uh, and you will find uh, detail on that 
Finally, there are some other considerations. Um, there are flexible mortgages that allow you to overpay or underpay during the term of the mortgage. Joint mortgages, obviously that means that you're not taking it out as an individual. It's with a partner usually, but then it can be a group of people. Uh, but you need to work out uh, who owes what and who owns what. So you need to work out your the percentages that relate to the equity in the property. And guarantor mortgages. Um, if you can't quite secure a mortgage on your own, uh, you can find someone who the lender allows to act as a guarantor. Interestingly, the guarantors don't have any stake in the property. Uh, they're just uh, saying that they'll pay the mortgage if there's a problem. But uh, so that, again, is is quite niche, but it could help some lenders. Um, and it can also mean that uh, lenders are prepared to go to that 100% loan to value. Uh, so no need to secure a deposit. But again, these are all things that you would discuss. And it's probably best to discuss with the services of a mortgage broker. Uh, you deal with lots of different mortgage brokers at APW, don't you? Yes, we do. Uh, we've got access to 56 different uh, high street banks, building societies and lenders. So yeah, your options are very much, very much open over here at APW. Yes, I, I think that certainly with mortgage brokers, they're the people who following the mortgage market very closely and they will be aware of all of these different products. Uh, but this was just to give you an introduction to the variety and complexity of the mortgage market. Uh, so uh, that's it for today. Thank you very much to Richard Evans. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you to Bryn Miles. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure as always. I'm grateful to the website uh, mortgagegenie.co.uk for their information. Hopefully we've given you enough information for you to put different things into your search engines uh, so you can do your own research uh, before you approach that mortgage broker. Thanks to Emma Holton for brilliant audio for producing our episode. Um, uh, have a rummage through our other episodes in all your usual podcast places. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.